Eu sou Chorus. Ai, Fiamet! One, two, three. Herald and Brad. Windy City Filmmakers, Herald and Brad. Windy City Filmmakers, Herald and Brad. James, New York? Yeah, in Jersey. Jersey, Jersey. All right, yeah. here we go. Another episode of Harold and Brad, Winnie City Filmmakers in the house. Today we got a special guest, our brother, been on this dude for a minute, Mr. James T. Alfred from Chicago, currently living where, dude? I am in New Jersey. I live in Newark, New Jersey. Newark, Downtown Newark, New Jersey. I got to specify that. As you say Newark, people be doing crazy thinking you up. It, it, give, it got some rough parts in Newark, man. So, right. <laughs> uh, but I, I live downtown Newark, four blocks from Newark Station. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, uh, well, you know where you're from. Uh, what kind of art do you create, man? Hold on. Make sure I got this, uh, this going on right. Okay, it's, cool. Uh, can y'all still hear me? We still hear you, yeah. Click it if you want to switch to it. You said, "What kind of art do I like to create?" Yeah, what kind of art? What kind of artist are you? Um, what kind of artist am I? <laughs> no artist at the time. Okay. Right now, <laughs> ain't got no art to make. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a. I mean, I, I, I'm basically a practitioner in the um, in the theater and okay. uh, film and television industry. Right. Um, that's, I guess, the the form of art that I make. But yeah. the kind of artist that I um, I like to consider myself to be is uh, one that creates art with a social intent behind it, nice. with some sort of intent behind it, something that can move people forward, right. um, get people to, to thinking more than just. Uh, Going, trying to escape for a couple hours, but something that moves you. I mean, that's the kind of artist that that I guess I, I became by default because I, I got into the arts by um, um, seeing an, an August Wilson play, right? And never having seen anything like that, um, that kind of celebration of Black life with, that was so profound. Uh, I had never seen anything like that before. Something that can entertain you as well as really uh, uh, it's probing. And, Do you remember uh, what August Wilson play it was? Yeah, it was uh, 1998. I saw Marion McClinton's, the late, great Marion McClinton's uh, production of August Wilson's Jitney okay. at, the, at the Goodman Theater. Nice. Oh, yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah, and that was uh, in that production directed by Marion. You had Anthony Chisholm, Steve McKinley Henderson, Shabaka. Russell Hornsby. Okay. Um, Brianna McCall White. And I think it was uh, Willis Burks played a film, if I'm not mistaken. Let's take it all the way back from the beginning. Tell us about uh, getting started in the business. Where were you and how did you start? Uh, well, you know, we all, the three of us, have a, a, a common uh, <laughs> common genesis with that and in row with that. After I saw that play in, in 98, 
that kind of solidified it for me. But I started, um, really started uh, looking at this, you know, taking even an interest in art, theater, film and television and all that as something to do back in 1990, probably 96. I did did my first play, which was Romeo and Juliet at the Desplaines Theater Guild in Desplaines, Illinois. How did you find that out there being from the South Side? Well, you know, it was really interesting because I was a... um, I was a corporate guy, you know, and I knew my aspirations of playing professional basketball had pretty much uh, were were unachieved and uh, it wasn't going to happen. And I just started thinking I knew after being in corporate America for about two months, three months that that wasn't going to that wasn't going to work. I, I, you know, I cannot I don't know how these people get up and come here every day. Um, I mean, it, it does make a difference when you. When you're getting a big, big ass paycheck, um, you know, sometimes that's motivating. But for the most part, I couldn't see it myself just getting up, going in that office, doing what I was doing for 40 years. And I knew that, like I said, the first couple of weeks, I said, this is not going to, this ain't going to work. Um, so, I, you know, and it sounds so cliche. I was at a, having a water cooler conversation with, with a temp worker. I'll never forget it. Uh, and unfortunately, I forget her name, but I never forget her face. Um, and we start just talking about aspirations and dreams and stuff that we would do if we didn't have if we weren't doing this. And I told her that, you know, I thought about maybe possibly getting into acting and that I had done a couple of little um, skits and stuff over the summer with a lady named Linnell Morgan. Um, she had a summer program where she would take kids. Uh, she used to host do a program, a youth program at the YWCA in Chicago on, on Drexel. But she uh, started doing this out of her home in the summer. And um, uh, rewinding a little bit. So in eighth grade, I, I was selected um, to do the oratory competition for and represent uh, my school, Andrew Carnegie, and the... Uh, oratory competition and I wanted to do it because I used to see this girl named Celestine uh, she used to always win this big trophy every year because she'd win go and kill it every year and um, and I won I won the trophy I won the trophy and Miss Podell Charlotte Podell um, asked me if if I could read a few passages for, of a poem a poem called Renegade Renegade by Robert Hayden and then do not go gentle into that good night by Dylan Thomas. Yes. She had me go, she had me read those poems. And then she asked if I would be interested in representing the school in the district 14 speech competition. And I said, yeah, I said, that's the same uh, thing that Celeste did when she won the big trophy. She said, yeah. So, and I did it and um, I won first place in district 14 and then um, placed in the region. And, uh, and after that, that was kind of that was the extent of it. But Miss Podell introduced me to Miss Morgan. Now, my my fourth grade teacher, who was also my seventh grade teacher, Miss Leslie Barron, she always knew that I should be in the theater. Even when I was playing basketball, she used to always say, Boy, you need to leave that basketball alone and get your butt on somebody's stage. And um, and she was right. And uh, and that's kind of 
I guess she would be responsible for putting the bug in my ear. No doubt. But uh, yeah, but but Miss Podell, Miss Morgan would, would come and she would put these little talent shows and work with some kids in the school, and she introduced her to me, and she gave me a con a, a, a scholarship to her little summer program, and um, I did a scene from Romeo and Juliet, uh, for the for the at the end of the year the the summer will culminate, and us were putting on a fashion show. We did made a little arts and crafts. We displayed that around the room, and then we would uh, do these little scenes, and and that was the extent of it. But um, when that lady asked me what would I do at the at, at on the water at the water cooler in the office, and she turned out, she said, "Well, you know, I got a friend of mine. He's a director, and he's doing a production of Romeo and Juliet, and um, out in Displays at the Displays Theater. I said, I don't live far from Displays." And she said, I'll call him and set up and uh, see if I can get you an audition. Nice, nice. I went, I went and auditioned and got the part of Tibble. Cool. And uh, yeah, I know it's a kind of a long roundabout way. <laughs> That's what's up, man. You know what? I was thinking, my bad, you know, like uh, when we first met, uh, we first met on the set of The Negotiator back in the day. They were like, we're extras, right? <laughs> and you were just standing in line. We struck up a conversation, <laughs> right? And then I don't know. Did, did you take class at ETA? No, man. I listen. When I did the Displays Theater Guild thing, um, I, I, I there was a one performance. We were doing the scene between Tibble and Mercutio, Mercutio, right. and um, and I, I, we were fighting with these, you know, with these foils. And the thing broke. Yeah. And so I just turned and looked at the, the guy who was on stage with me, who was a page. And I said, go and fetch me a rapier, boy. And he turned and ran and got the thing. <laughs> and um, and I got it. And then we, we finished the fight. Of course, you got I got to kill Mercutio. I got to stab him so he can right. die for the whole play to keep going. And I'm coming off stage and the director is he's running in backstage and he's like, oh my God, thank you. That was great instincts to you save the show. Then well, <laughs> well, he said, You ever thought about doing this professionally? And I said, Ah, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I didn't know how do you so funny I'm talking to you about this because I was just talking to another colleague of ours about uh working in this business. And I, I was uh, saying to myself, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what does that mean doing this as a profession? What, how do you, how do you make money, make a living being an actor? Um, and so um, I, you know, after I did that show, I did, uh, then the next one after that, I did uh, uh, John Merrick. I auditioned for John Merrick to play the elephant man. Okay. And I did that. All at this displays theater guild. And then they asked me to come back to do Little Shop of Horrors. They needed somebody to operate the plant. Right, right, right. Puppet. So I did that. Uh, and then I, I, I went to see a play at ETA. I saw China Colston and Rolando Boyce in this play called... Um, and I just thought... And, and I thought Rolando was a phenomenal, just a fascinating actor, man. Right. Um, and I saw him in that. And I saw the, the show and I was like, Man, he's a. I I'd never really seen. I don't even remember how I got to see that play. I think I started getting interested in 
in theater and wanted to, you know, to see how people were doing it in the city. Because I'm displaying, this was community theater. Um, so I saw that show. And then I, I got one more show out there called uh, To Kill a Mockingbird at the Bog Theater, right on Main Street, down in displaying. It's still there, I think. Right. Um, but I wanted to come to the city and I auditioned uh, for a production of Fences. Nice. By August Wilson. Um, with Rudolph Monroe. Uh, directed it, uh, Rudy Monroe at the uh, Douglas Park Cultural Center. Okay, where I, I played Lions, um, but I wanted to come. You know, I start reading, performing, and stuff like that. And the little publication that they used to put out in Chicago. I don't know if they still do it, but it was out where you tell you about all the auditions and yeah, right. who's doing yeah. what. And I start reading that, but it was something about. Um, coming to the, to the city and doing plays. I saw a play at the Chicago Theater Company. And I said, man, you know, I want to, I mean, how, how do these guys get the chance to do this? Uh, and then I saw August Wilson's Jitney and that just fucked me up. I said, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I got to do that. I didn't know, it wasn't either I wanted to do theater. I'd say, I want to do that. I want to just be, I want to do black stuff that celebrates black people uh, in, in, in America. And particularly, I want to do his plays. I want to be on stage where they got cars and costumes. You ain't got to bring yourself. And, and, and you know, you show up and the sets didn't shake when you close the door. I mean, I just, I, I just wanted to be, be a part of something, you know, something really great. Right. I, I thought it was great at the time. And, right. well, uh, my bad. Uh, what, what do you love? Like, one thing I love about August, well, like, I love Shakespeare. You mentioned Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. I love August Wilson. Uh, what they love about them both is the language is so beautiful. Like, you know, like, um, the language is so powerful. August Wilson, the characters just sometimes they just talk and talk and talk, but they, it's filled with a lot of uh, images and just beautiful language and the conveying the message. What, what do you love about August Wilson and his, and his work and his writing? Well, what, what you just mentioned about, you know, the language, um, beyond the, the, the poetry of it, the, the, the heft and the 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 power and the 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 strength that he conveys of, of of our people the strength of our people women in particular black women in particular uh that he conveys in his work um this man has been able to capture the essence of uh, the stolen african uh unlike many any other person any other writer um in, in our time right uh We've had some great ones too. We've had Philip Hayes Dean, Ed Bullens. Uh, August wasn't the only one, right? But he was the the first and and the one to I, I would say to capture the essence of uh, of black people and sustain that and have the opportunity to sustain that uh, for uh, over a, a, a cycle where he chronicles uh, our experience here over a hundred years. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it seems that he uh, uh, had given us dignity. On yeah, he, he would, he had, August would lift ordinary people to extraordinary heights. And that's what really blew my mind when I saw the production 98 was that these are all men that I recognize, you know, the neighborhood, you know, uh, alcoholic, the wino, the, 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 the gossiper, 
uh, the young couple trying to find love. You know, he, he, all these people that you normally wouldn't see on stage, you know, usually you, like you said, you would go see Shakespeare where you got Kings and Queens. And we listen to stories about Kings and Queens. Well, August elevated those people to that status. Right. To that, to that, yeah, to, gave them dignity, gave them humanity. They were multiple, multidimensional. They weren't, you know, all the only theater I had seen at the time were the plays that they would take us in elementary school to go see during student matinees. And they were usually some about the Underground Railroad or something like that. But this, um, these plays uh, showed, showed men. No doubt. Yeah, in a, in a, in a manner that uh, I hadn't seen before. Right, right. So, like, you also done, like, a lot of television. And people may recognize you from the studio. The guy who runs the studio on um, Empire. Now, point being is that how what how do you go about developing a backstory? Because even though he's in and out, I like the sense that he has a sense. Uh, you bring a sense of depth to the character. So, how do you go out, go about bringing developing a backstory for a character that may have a seemingly small part, but still is central central to the storytelling? Well, you know, that, that comes with just you, a, a, an artist uh, developing their craft and right. um, being a person that takes pride in craft. You know, there are people that just want to, you know, they, they show up the same way every time right. um, because they're just doing the part to, you know, cause they, they're on TV. But when you have an opportunity to develop a character, um, it, it's, I, I, I welcome it because it's a, uh, it's a, it's a gift. You know, a lot of times we, especially in television, um, you get characters that most of them are just, they're, they're facilitators. They just facilitate the, the movement of the story, the progression of the story. And um, they get one or two lines. And my, my character didn't have a lot, a lot of times to say, but um, who he was in relation to the lead characters uh, of Cookie and Lucius and how um, his link to her and her affinity for her son, Jamal, and bring, you know, all that. So, you know, going through all that and, and, and understanding to trying to see who this guy is, um, you, you take the time and, and, and really start thinking of how you can make him interesting for whatever the 10, 15, 30 seconds, you know, you're going to be seen right. without doing too much. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you can get on, you get on, on, on something, you don't get much to say and you do too much because you want to be seen. You want somebody to say, Oh, look at that guy. Right. But you know, that's the, that, that's the job when you hire to do those, those parts, you're there just to serve the story, just to facilitate the story and keep it moving um, uh, for them. You're there to service them. But um uh, w- one thing I like to say about that particular situation was John Singleton really helped that, you know, because I I didn't I didn't know what what was going on with that guy at first, right? Um, or what their intent was, but you know he the way he shot it and the way he um we talked about it, you know, he's like, man, this guy's kind of like a superhero, you know, when you see right. him when you first see him, he's gonna be like a superhero, you know, so um, that kind of helped me say, all right, he's uh what we established was he's not a gangster, but he's not, you know, he, he ain't nobody to be, you know, played with nobody to be fucked with. He, right. you know, he going to hold his own, but at the same time, he mind his business. He about getting that bread. He want to get paper. He want to come in, 
record your little shit. He's like the guy in our, our business. He's like the janitor in, 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 in theater. You know, when you're up there trying, you want to spend some time on the stage uh, or, or not even a janitor, a tech guy. You want to spend some time on the stage to try to get your footing or, or, or walk around the set. He's the guy that's like, hey, man, you got to hurry up because, you know, uh, we, <laughs> yeah. we need to clean this shit up. You, you, you were, that character was obviously an ally to the Lucius and Cookie. And uh, it's a reoccurring character. So uh, was there something that you possibly did to uh, uh, cause that to be a reoccurring character? No, nah, man. You, no, nah, you, in this business, this business is so, so, you, it's so fickle. That was supposed to be a one-off. And I didn't even um, uh, want to take the audition because I felt like, you know, what, what, you know, what kind of mileage am I going to get out of showing up and saying this, you know, this couple words. And I want to... I didn't want to burn myself up, as we call it. I didn't want to get used up if the series is going to be be around for six years on that one little, you know, one one little two or three line uh, appearance. But because it was John Singleton, uh, who I admired and respected, I just wanted to get in front of him. Um, but it was supposed to be a one-off. And yeah. I think because of the way they established the character, they 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 felt that they could use him to move the story along. As you saw throughout the six seasons, he would show up maybe two episodes a season and one season he didn't show up at all. Right. Well, two seasons he didn't show up at all. So, you know, it, it's nothing that somebody will say, oh, yeah, I, I you know, when I, I walked in there, man, and uh, it was supposed to be one one day, one line. And they saw me just just do do a hell of a job and I just killed it and they had to keep me around. Yeah. That shit didn't work like that. Right, you know, right. Were well, there some little unique things that you did uh, uh, in discovering the character that you you personally brought to the show to the performance? Yeah, truth. I mean, just just being honest and like I said, and not trying to um, um, do too much. You right. get you get people to show up on the on these jobs, man, and you ain't got but two lines, but you want to say the two lines in, in such a way, no doubt, that, that you really you really uh, in the way. And usually when you do that, your scene usually gets cut. No doubt. I up and just, just was trying to be as honest as possible you can. Oh la la. Yes.